Hi there, it's Guinevere Lee. I am visiting bookstores around southern Ontario to promote my Bronze Age historical fantasy novels, Orope the White Snake and Picari the Azure Fish. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to learn more about that ongoing series. On October 30th, 11am to 5pm, we will be at Indigo Burlington Centre at Guelph Line and Queen Elizabeth Way. Come on down to learn about my novels or to just chat about The Lord of the Rings. See you then! Hello and welcome to Ravenpod, the only Lord of the Rings podcast still suffering from a turkey coma. Oh yes. <laughs> I'm quite very early. And I am Noel Sayar. Happy Thanksgiving everyone. Yes. <laughs> now we're in this weird sweet spot between... Canadian Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving where there's still Thanksgiving everywhere because we live so close to the U.S., but yeah, it's it's like, for us it's a distant memory. It's like a Thanksgiving week. Their Thanksgiving is like at the end of November. It's really weird. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's oh, yes. so late. It's like a month before Christmas. Yeah. I mean, what do you have like a big banquet just before the big banquet? Yeah, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, we're not here to talk about Thanksgiving, <laughs> because this is a Lord of the Rings podcast. We're going to talk about episode 7 of season 1 of Amazon Prime Videos, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I really have to concentrate every time I say that. <laughs> it, it's, it's a damn long title. <laughs> we said before that it, we liked it. It was yeah. good. I mean... I mean, are we still going to nitpick it to death? Yes. B- because it is what this, this podcast is about. That is the point. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's what we set out to do, but that's what it's become. No, I, I mean, n- n- now it is just... It, now it, it, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, it's just... It, it happened naturally. Why fight it? <laughs> and if you still listen to this podcast, it's because it's what you want. So we are here to give you what you most desire. <laughs> Nitpicking. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with something that I like, which is something that they've done in most episodes, which is start immediately from the point we left off. Mm-hmm. I think the one episode where they didn't do that was with the Adar cliffhanger. Which annoyed me greatly. Yes, because they they finishing quite high. Well, also like <laughs> I guess, you know, just get over. Like, okay, you do a cliffhanger, but let's just move along now. You know, we all know Galadriel's not dead, so let's just <laughs> cut to the chase. And I, yay, they cut to the chase. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, obviously the very first shot is Galadriel waking up after surviving. 200 plus degrees Celsius. Yeah, more or less. Her hair's not even singed. Oh, <laughs> There's no. a horse on fire, but her hair, <laughs> not even singed. <laughs> she should have no eyebrows. <laughs> and no skin. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, not anything, but the hybrid was the first to go. <laughs> Again, like, they don't have superhero, uh, like, super-powered healing or uh, like defense like no, the same the same physical wound that would hurt a human would hurt an elf and you can argue that with her you know her agility she can just 
jump and take like a shelter. What, jump away from the volcano. And take a shelter behind the rock. But we saw the very scene when she was standing and just like a tanking like the wave with the chest like a Yeah, like give it to me. We saw what it did to the houses. We saw what it did to like literally the entire land. Every single tree and plant is dead but somehow this group of people survived like uh, the, the the house is made with masonry that that went down like everything went down except the people <laughs> <laughs> anyway we we started talking about what we like yes See, we can't help ourselves i mean we we start very high i mean that first scene is it was something so yeah, they try to, despite of the fact that like they some try to eat their cake and have it too. <laughs> so if despite some people still alive, surprisingly, they try to give a little bit of dramatism, you know, like a, this ominous music, like a burning horse running, like it, p- it people complaining. Complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I say, <laughs> I am burning and I don't like it. <laughs> it would be a cool shot, like if it wasn't for the context of the scene. If it wasn't in the back of my mind screaming at the fact that nobody should be alive, I would have found the scene very compelling. If you could the last 10 seconds of the previous episode without the wave... Yeah, if I didn't know <laughs> that that wave had hit them... Sure. Yeah, yeah. But no. <laughs> anyway, you know what? It would have like just been so much better, so much better, if... The people of the Southlands decided to like escape through the mountain pass, but then of course the orcs are chasing them, and right before the the orcs mow them down, the Numenorians charge in their on their horses and take out all the orcs, and then because they're at the mountains, the right? They're right on the border of Mordor. When let's just say this pyroclastic flow (laughs) is big enough and strong enough to cover the whole of Mordor. Well, they're on the edge, so I could accept that they're, like, survived. They're also, like, higher. Yeah, and they say the mountain range comes, like, absorb the heat. And then you could still have the scene with them, like, watching the whole thing happen and, like, even getting hit by, like, the the very edges of it. And then still waking up and looking at this like hell hole in front of them. They still could have done it if they if they could have just moved them. <laughs> just a little, just move a little. <laughs> you know, it's just the little things that if you want to show something that powerful and that terrible, I ha- the consequences have to be believable. Yeah, I mean, like uh, if you play that scenes, everybody in that scenes should be dead. Yeah. Anyway. In addition, when they start, like, uh, um, do you see that level of ashes in the air? Even if the wave... They should all have very serious lung If if the wave didn't kill you that they should, they basically should die for suffocation. Yeah. Because, like, uh, the quantity of dust in the air... Like, many people in Pompeii did. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, uh, some people... Why why do you think those those bodies were so well preserved? (laughs) They weren't covered in lava, they were covered in ash. <laughs> anyway. 
So let's move. Basically, they have that scene which is very dramatic. What one person is burning and like a, <laughs> burning and crawling slowly. Let's move. Let's move from there as well. And then, of course, the the one house that the heroes decide to go into to save people has children. So they, you know, Queen Muriel goes in and and rescues the children. Just before the roof and wall collapses on Isildur, who we know is alive. Because we need, we need him, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and in that scene, uh, Miriam, like, can get blamed. Yeah, like, she's very clearly injured. I just kind of assumed at the time it was burns to her face. Me too. But yeah. I, in fact, I need to see it the second time to see if Miriam was blind. For the very beginning. Yeah, I uh, was also wondering. And then it's like I noticed that was in that very scene with the house yeah. with some like a sparkles like going to her eyes. Yeah, she, I guess just like the retinas are burnt. Yeah. And yes, I mean, we should assume that like some logs make a kind of like a tent and like a easy door. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the burning logs have made a, a, a small tent around him. <laughs> I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Knowing that he's alive, it's so much more ridiculous. Because they really do show, like, an entire wall, a stone wall, coming down with the burning lumber. And it's just like... I just know they're going to come up with some bullshit explanation, and it's already annoying me. I mean... Obviously, we know that he's alive because in the story we need to. So the only thing is create this drama. Unless they like really don't care about the canon, that would be amazing. Anarion's gonna show up and take his place. <laughs> but the thing is, like, Elendil, he thinks that he's dead, and and like he already coming back to Numenor. We're gonna go over that later. So I I, I just yeah, think, they have separated them. So I just think that they cre they want to create this thing with I don't know which purpose yet. Well, but could could they not have separated them without the bullshit death fake out? You know, like couldn't it have just been Muriel commanding that he stay or him refusing to return, and they could. I don't know, have a big fight about it, whatever. What? No, but I guess they want to do it because now they're going to make Elendil become a little evil, I think. Why, though? I don't know. Why do we need to go down this road? Uh, Elendil never, like, showed any sign of... Darkness. Yeah, he or bitterness would be a better word for it. Like. Oh, I know what they're going to do. They're going to make him support that Farazon. Because but why? I, I don't know why, but... It, but it's bullshit. It is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's better that than the rape, so... Well, yeah, we're still very concerned over <laughs> that. I mean, I can only assume that Alfarazan's going to use her blindness as, like... A way to manipulate her into a marriage, or and I, th and I think because just like depose her and take the throne. And I think because Elendi is gonna be resent with Miriel, mm -hmm. he's kind of gonna support the claim of her father onto the throne. Uh, but I hate it. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's gonna happen. <laughs> but don't worry. Probably that don't. Care. Well, I don't know. Maybe they do it in the last episode. 
I don't know, but we we're getting like completely off topic. So let's yeah. let's pull ourselves back to <laughs> the next scene, which is meeting up with the Harfoots as they yeah. arrive. The good, at the let's grove. go to the good part. And I guess the Grove. Well, we know that they're between Mirkwood and Mordor. Mm-hmm. They're in that area. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure how south they are, but judging from the fact that there's balls of lava <laughs> in the grove, it seems like they only landed in this one spot. I know. It is like a th- like a three balls, but all very close to each other. Like right in the trees so that all of the apple trees and I mean they show what seen with in. some mountain range in the in the back. Yeah. So I am assuming that that was more but there was like Mordor? green on either side. It just seemed yeah. like very specifically targeted. <laughs> because that evil bug. Yeah, but you definitely could see the mountain range. So uh, and they're quite far uh, for the scene that. I scene. mean, but, the, the, judging by the distance yeah. of mountains in this show, yeah, who it's, knows? It's true. But anyway, it, it was clearly just to tell us the viewers, like, look, Mordor. This yeah. is from the the eruption, um, and. You know, if the eruption was as insanely big as the show is making it seem, then absolutely, like, blobs of lava would have landed on this grove. But also everywhere else. <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> My problem is not the distance. It's, like, the targeted <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the rest of this scene... Um, well, like, yeah. you know, we I don't think we've ever said a bad thing about the Harfoot scenes, and I think that's going to continue today. Yeah. The, Except we, for that. Yeah, they have <laughs> the, then the, um, the stranger try to heal the tree, and then one of the branches fall, and kind of like a heart, uh, like a naughty sister, uh, almost hurt her. And... You know, all of the Harfoots, they look at the street like, oh, what do you do? It's like, a, what, what do he do? He, he was trying to help. Everybody was next to the tree. I don't know. But I suppose it's just seeing that he doesn't have complete control over these powers. No. So even though they're, like, they're clearly not angry at him. They're not, like, chasing him away with sticks. Like, Sadak... <laughs> better than that. <laughs> well, no, but they're still offering help for him. So you can tell that it's, like... They, they're they just concerned because they can see that he can't control his power. But they're not, like... You know, they're not angry at no, him. They're, they're not blaming him. With, and they're not like, no, they're most afraid of him. But I think they change too fast from, like, a, yeah, I said from hell to... Mm, we need to chase him away. But anyway, it's just like a, just a little thing. So then we move to Karadun. And we see Elrond try to seal the deal with during the third. About uh, half access yeah. to the mines. In exchange to like a timber and food. And... You know, again, this is like a departure from the books. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Which, that itself doesn't annoy me. I, I don't mind... I don't mind the fact that they made during the third set in his ways. Yeah, like they, they make the, the all, all, all this cool faction. Obviously, in the books, he 
like traded freely with Eregion and they mm-hmm. had a great friendship and you know, it was that friendship with Eregion that helped Kazadum go through this Flores. transformation, you know, when they're all amazed by how well it's been doing. Like canonically that was because of the elves. <laughs> so it is it is a departure from the books. But I do like how they've handled it. I'm I'm enjoying this like father son tension. Especially yeah, because they just didn't cut that from the story. He just transferred his role to during the fourth. Yeah, pretty much. And, and basically during the fourth is, is is the friend of the elves. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, and it, it's starting to feel like as I said before, we're we're kind of going in a Macbeth. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I think they're going to plot to kill the king. I think that's kind of where we're heading with it. I don't know if kill. I think so. But I don't think during the third he's going to finish the second season. I think he's going to like push him into the abyss of of the mithril and he's going to like fall all the way down. Mm. And then the Balrog's going to grab him and eat him. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see. You'll all see. It's going to be amazing. But yes, basically during the third, refuse the deal, and he kind of just like a, make a kind of like a pseudo-religious speak, saying that, you know, the gods of the, the mountains in the, you know, referring as the mountain as a kind of like as a god, they need to be like a respect, you know, coming to the old ways. But and also he's worried about a cave-in. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. But, but how he's saying to me, or have a kind of like a pretty religious vibe. I know, but don't forget, like, he was okay with them digging for the Mithril before the, the cave-in. Yeah. But after that, he declared, like, this stone is too unstable, and I don't want to fuck with it. And I guess part of that is like, all right. Clearly, we've... we've the, trust- mo- the mountain saying no. The mountain said no. we got to listen to the mountain, right? Yeah. That's that's who I thought Disa was going to be. I thought she was going to be the voice saying, like, listen to the mountain. The mountain says no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she is definitely not no. that person. And the third is that person. The kind of interesting thing about the whole Mithril thing, I mean... Other than the fact that it's utter nonsense and a really, like, forced plot point. I don't like how it changes the need for Mithril. I mean, like, the whole story about Khazad-dum's fall is because of their greed. They were driven by greed to dig too deep. And that awoke the Balrog. So it's, you know, it's a not too subtle metaphor. <laughs> and <laughs> right? in addition, like the also like the wealth of like Karadum was linked to like the the, the Mithril, was part of that flourish. It is just right. because of that. But by making Mithril some sort of like magic panacea for elves. It's it's making their dig for Mithril noble. Yeah. It's completely changing the motivation. And I find that interesting. 
and confusing. Yeah, because they, they change completely the motivation of, yeah. of the entire then race. Now they're being punished for a good deed. Yeah, when before is they become drunk of power and riches. Yeah, or maybe even like... I don't know, guilty of not respecting your father. I don't know, like... But the point is, it's <laughs> it's changing the story yeah. at a very fundamental level. And that's, yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> Maybe they tried to make the drawers more sympathetic. Yeah, but I think you can still feel sympathetic. Like, you could have... One character, you know, like the king himself, just being like, we need more and more and more and have the sun during the I fourth. I mean, they, they basically can, right? can, can bear the, have the him roles. be the one like, no, we, we need to stop, we need to save, you know, we, we need yeah. to protect the people or whatever. And I don't know, just have him be that like heroic voice it's instead of changing the entire motivation. I mean, I don't think they need to change anything. I they think, don't. <laughs> I think the, the drawers, as they like uh, in the books or like in the in the movies adaptations, they have this. They're grumpy but lovable. Yeah, I guess. So you know they have that flaws that you know they are greedy, they are like grumpy, they are like rancorous, but like a. The people still like it in his way, so you don't need to make him the heroes. You don't make it like good. I think they're good as they was, and I think I think they make it more interesting because of that. They are different. They are like a good flaws, and also make them actually no well, that <laughs> more interesting. I guess. Well, yeah, flawed characters are always more interesting. Oh, I'll agree to that. So yeah, I, I I agree that they that 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 turn is unnecessary. It's extremely unnecessary, and there's way more than they cha- that they changed in this show than I was expecting. I'll say that. Yeah. After hearing early on that the Tolkien estate was happy with the show, I'm like really surprised <laughs> about that for a lot of reasons. But anyway, also. What happened to the table that Durin stole? Because he still got the old table in his house. Like, come on. They should have had the new table installed. I, just only for the joke. Yes. yes. That would have made the joke perfect. <laughs> Very disappointed in that. I mean, I must say, the old table is better. <laughs> it's kind of like a more Strudian, like a... More, more Dorothy. Yeah. So, then we have the conversation with Disa. And basically, they are bitching about the the father. Yeah. And I like that they make a little joke about this as mother had a beer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, it was like a, a wing for, you know, all of the people complaining. <laughs> well, they all have beards. They've all got, I mean, obviously, some more than others, but the women... They've got like a little bit of hair on their chinny chin chins, and then they've got like yeah, like, like very exaggerated sideburns. So, I mean, in my head, I'm just wondering like, 
are they just suggesting that maybe they like shave? <laughs> or is it just like the older they get, the more of a beard they get, you know? Or, or just, you know, equal that they. But the point like is. The person, some people's more hairy than others, so. I actually, <laughs> I like, I like the way that they've depicted them because, you know. Back in the early days of this podcast, when we did an episode on the dwarves, I, I think I read from the history of Middle Earth. But Tolkien has kind of gone both ways on the beard on women thing. So you you could really literally go both ways, and they did. <laughs> they went both ways. They have a little bit of a beard. <laughs> I mean, especially like uh, in the things that you take from uh, finished tales. It is a lot of contradiction in these small things yeah. because you know there are notes that we're going to talk about some contradictions coming up with Celeborn. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy, we will. But uh, I don't know. I think it was a elegant wink for like the fans that yeah. they expect woman beards without actually put a woman with beard in the screen. <laughs> yes and no. We head back to Mordor. Although we haven't revealed that yet. Well, I mean, come on. Yes. And, of course, everyone's been scattered at this point, which I, I still don't understand how this happened. I could understand, like, maybe a few villagers being terrified and running off into the night. Well, it wasn't even night. It was the day at that time, anyway. But why would Galadriel just wander off with a child? And, you know, like, why why did all these people get separated? Especially Galadriel was literally in, in the center of the town. Yeah, and they say, like, Halbrand was found on the side of the road. Like, how did Halbrand get to the side of the road? Are they suggesting that they were thrown? Because Galadriel woke up in the exact same place that she was standing. But she's, ma- she's magical. <laughs> anyway, so they're all like trudging through the woods, lost, and you'll notice, of course, it takes them a day to get back to their encampment, so oh, they were yeah. charging for a day. <laughs> there you go, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> we see a little bit uh, Theo still struggling with his inner dark, a little bit, he's, you know, he's like a... Yeah, he, he of course, instantly wants to go off and fight. Which is leading to the most contrived of all character growth moments for Galadriel. Because, of course, all the advice that she needs to give to Theo is the advice that she herself needs to take. And people have of been course. saying to her throughout this entire series. And now she's wise enough to pass it on to Theo because she sees the darkness in herself in him. And it was a little annoying to like 
listen to all of her sage advice, like... No, in addition, they need to find an underage man so she can give, like, a... a Finally, a, there's somebody that she can be more powerful than Exactly. So she's just, start, she's just starting with kids. That's right. It can't even be an adult man. It needs to be a child <laughs> that she is talking down to. But yes, oh. like, a, the, the, she suddenly changed... In addition, I have it right here... That now she's as she should be from the beginning of the TV show. Yes, this is the Galadriel that I was expecting. Except how they got to this Galadriel was really stupid and annoying. And in addition, they made the kind of character progression that she was paid for a for a human, but for a people that have thousands of years old, she don't have these suddenly changes. Yeah. In what, a few months, maybe? No, literally seconds. It was just as soon as that volcano punched her. <laughs> just gut punched maybe her. Hit, maybe she hit the head she so hit hard. Head. <laughs> <laughs> and her personality changed. No, and, and now she says, no. <laughs> now all she says is Hodor. Yeah. Mordor. Now all she says is Mordor. 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 <laughs> It's a it's a bit of a double aged blade, isn't it? Because yes, it is finally she's acting like she should be. Though. Yeah, but they just take it yeah. from nowhere. They're making any sense with everything that they show us so far. Yeah. But well, anyway, we got there. And then we have a scene where uh, Miriel like a, like well when they show that Miriel is actually blind and they just try to keep it in secret, so like the um, the yeah. refugees don't. Although they they they're pretty open with it later when they decide to put like a blindfold on her. So I guess it was just for the march. I don't know. I, I guess I try that the people don't get more scary than necessary at I this feel point. Maybe it was more Muriel just not wanting to admit <laughs> that she was blind, but I guess when they were in the camp, they was a little safer and less tend to panic. Yeah. But. And then we come back to the good part, the Harfoots. Yay! And of course they're sending the stranger after Greenwood the Great, which is Mirkwood. Before, Because yeah. obviously Mirkwood is a very like negative connotation, and that was because Sauron, he was in Mirkwood for a little bit and his evil spread out. But it used to be Greenwood the Great before. Yeah, that. I mean, that didn't happen until the Third Age, but we already know that, like... A, which that, wizard that's... lives in Greenwood the Great? Mm, I don't know. Do, do you know? No, I don't know. It's Radicast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. The brown. He's the only one. So, at this point, uh, the king of Greenwood is Legolas' grandfather, Orofer. Mm -hmm. By the way, he is the king of the Sylvan Elves, but he's not a Sylvan Elf, he's an Oldor. <laughs> he just basically came from Lindon and say, Hello, I'm your new king. But it's the same with Galadriel <laughs> Caliborn in Lothlorien. I know. Right? They're Cinder and Elves, but they themselves are Noldor, although they don't call themselves king and queen. That's the one difference. But it's totally, it's this colonialism well, again. But, but, but they're the lords. I mean, no, because they are the superior elves, so they're going to come and just be the default rulers. Because they were touched by the greatness. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, it's, it's pre-colonialism. 
And obviously, you know, uh, we don't know how how much these are moving the timing, but basically <laughs> it's all nonsense. But basically, the hobbits came from this this region. Yeah. Basically, the area between Greenwood and the Grey Mountains is where originally the hobbits live. So I don't know if in the TV show they intend that the Harfoots are the very original hobbits. They're not. There's three separate branches. They're all halflings. But the stores, they also come from that area. That's the one where yeah. that Meagol comes from. Yes. <laughs> they lived along the Anduin. So, if they're calling themselves Harfoots, they're Harfoots. Okay. If they were just calling themselves Halflings, then I'd be like, okay, maybe they're the originals. Yeah. And maybe, you know, even you could even have a cheesy moment at the end where one is like, oh, I'm a hobbit. No, we're Harfoots. Oh, I think we're Stuart. Like, something stupid slump, like that. Slump, slump, <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like... So, you think that these are not Halflings that already settled... Yeah, I, I just think there are three different sects. So, like, you have the river mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And then you have the, like, nomadic people. And then you have the hobbits <laughs> who like to live in holes. <laughs> so I think it's just they've already split off the, at this point. They still be in the same region, but, yeah. but they are already distinctable you know, they're, branches. They're, they probably still interact with each other. Mm-hmm. They probably do trade with each other and whatnot, but they, you know, they do their own they are, thing. Yeah. That's all for Greenwood the Great? Um, well, um, I, I just like them, like I have notes that in the third age, Sauron is going to build uh, Dorgundur and kind of cor- yeah. corrupt the south As I said, of right. Greenwood. And that's of course taking place during the Hobbit. And that's that's the excuse that Tolkien came up with to get Gandalf away from the party. Cause it was, you know, it was a get out of jail free card to have a wizard with him. <laughs> I know. So he's like, the wizard's gotta go. And so he what he's doing and if you read the appendix is he's going to investigate Dolgaldur because there's been rumors of like the, the necromancer. The, nec- the necromancer, yeah. So <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I guess Lord of the Ring was the Balrog and in the Hobbit is uh Barbuldur, you know, to take Gandalf off of the yeah. qu- the question. You gotta get Gandalf out of the story because he's Yeah, half a wizard is cheating. It's cheating, exactly. <laughs> and the thing that we didn't know is like uh, the spiders from like a uh, uh, Mildwood, it is the she loves child. Yeah, she loves babies. I know. <laughs> Isn't that cute? <laughs> Isn't that sweet? It's a cutie. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're so little. <laughs> Comparatively. <laughs> Another thing that I brought here is when, like, uh, Sarbok gave like, the piece of the, the his book with the constellation. Yeah, <laughs> the star chart. He, he said that, that that constellation was not longer for 1,000 years. And it's like a... Are you telling me that book is 1,000 years old? Well, 1,000 plus? Well, they used to, like, copy books. Like, when they started to get too old, they would make copies. Yeah, okay. I'm assuming that practice would still be relevant for them. Oh, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I, I give you that. Yeah, <laughs> forgive them for that. Yes. But I think the, the star map itself was kind of useless, because you had, like, one constellation and then, like, an arc of stars above. I'm like, how... 
you're not seeing them in relation to any <laughs> other stars. How is this helpful whatsoever? He's like, uh, I don't have use for this. You can, you can have it. Anyway, for, for this constellation, if he's saying that they haven't seen them, it means that it's not in this hemisphere. This constellation has got to be, like, in the far, far south. So I feel like he's he's heading to the Harad maybe in season two. We're actually we're actually yeah. going to the Harad <laughs> where we thought we were going yeah. in season one. Finger crossed. So maybe <laughs> that's kind of what I took away from that. Is if it's not on the northern hemisphere, it's got to be in the southern. Yeah. Like all the stars and stuff, it should follow the same rules that our stars and stuff did, because Tolkien just based his stars off of ours. He, he took our, like, real-world constellations and just changed the names on them. And I the mean, same with the stars. So, everything that... Everything astrological they talk about in this show should work the same in ours. But some... You can't have moving constellations. But some constellations, they're seasonal. Yes, seasonal. They don't disappear for thousands of years and then come back. No, the thousands of years, like, yeah... So that's what I'm saying. Like it has to be a a constellation that's only in the southern hemisphere. So it's gotta be the Harad. I say finger crossed. I think (laughs) you know we gotta go somewhere new next season, right? I mean, they gotta keep introducing new lands. I mean, technically he's going north, so I guess at some point they're gonna turn away. Well, obviously, like, when the, the Harfoots get to him... Get to him, and it's like, a, no, 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 go away. Yeah, <laughs> but I think, you know, I think he's gonna, like, leave them somewhere safe and, like, continue south. I mean, obviously, he's not gonna stay with the Harfoots forever. He's got well, bigger yes, and better obviously. things to do. He's not Gandalf. <laughs> maybe he maybe he keep Minari. Maybe he'll keep Nori and Poppy. Yes. <laughs> I, Poppy is, is really sweet. Especially when they say that they are going, and then the other two is like, I got to look. No, where are you going? That is a, like a Frodo Sam situation. <laughs> yeah, you gotta say it again. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> anyway, in the moment with after, like in the end of that scene with the Harfoots, when Nori was talking with them, her stepmother, and he was saying, oh, I, I, I should never go to that crater. She was sharpening the wheels with a stone. What she's doing to the wheels? She's not sharpening, they're smoothing them out. Y- yeah, but it's, it's something that you do. Yeah, that's something that you do. Okay. I, I never seen it before. So it's like, <laughs> what she's doing with the wheels? <laughs> so we're going to back to, to the Southlands. Yeah. And uh, now we have the scene. We finally get our first mention of Caliborn, and it's a doozy. To me, it reminds me a lot when, like, uh, Ellen Deal talk about his wife. Was it like, a, ah, she drowned, and she walked away. <laughs> and she's like, a, ah, she left, let his die. Yeah, I never <laughs> saw him again. It was fine. It's like, a, and no, that never happened. I mean, of course it never happened. Uh, so no, I, I don't I, I don't normally delve into unfinished tales because for that very reason they're yeah. unfinished tales. This is basically a collection of notes and half written stories and 
And also, it's probably the best source for Galadriel and Caliborn lore for some unknown reason. Yeah, I mean, everything that I, that I take it came from the Unfinished Yeah, Tales. so I, I did a, a pretty deep dive in here. So, please, il illustrate us. Alright, so let's just talk about the story that Galadriel says about meeting Caliborn. Mm. She says she was dancing in the woods and Caliborn found her. Now, <laughs> that's not how Galadriel and Caliborn met. That's how Baron and Luthien met. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, I am not that no, mad about not, that part. it's not a problem. It's not a problem. But the funny thing it's is... It's kind of cute, but yeah. If, if you go through the Unfinished Tales, there's actually multiple versions for how they could have met. Because Tolkien was a little undecided about this. Uh, it looked like he was still revising a lot of Galadriel stuff, like, right at the end of his life. So he probably intended to incorporate some of this stuff into the Silmarillion, but he's never got around to it. But, of course, we have the version from the Silmarillion, which is that Celeborn was from Doriath in Beleriand. He's one of the elves who never went to the Undying Lands, so he was kind of beneath her. <laughs> <laughs> she married down. <laughs> uh, but he was the king or the, the prince of Doriath yeah. when they met and married. Was she dancing in a glade? Uh, maybe, but Tolkien never wrote that about her. There's a, a much more fun version which is that actually Celeborn was in Valinor. Oh. And, uh, or he was in Alcolonde, which is where the shipbuilders, the Teleri elves, lived. And he was, like, one of the Teleri. Mm. And they fell in love. And they wanted to go to Middle-earth together and have great adventures. And so they built a ship for themselves. And they were going to ask leave... As permission, yeah. And um, at that is when Melkor and Ungoliat attacked and stole the Cimmerils, and then Fëanor had his big rebellion. And even though Galadriel and Celeborn, they had been planning to go before, and afterwards they still decided to go, it was now like kind of still seen as rebellion, so they still fell under the... Uh, the doom to never return to Valinor. So that's kind of like the more romantic, adventurous <laughs> version. Uh, and there's a good chance that had Tolkien gotten more time, he might have actually included that in the Silmarillion. Yeah. Because he was always a little troubled by Galadriel joining the rebellion. Even though she was not part of the attack on Alcolande, like she arrived after that happened, um... Like, he, I guess he just didn't like the fact that she was sullied by this a little. Oh. He, I, I think he wanted to keep her a little more pure. So he wanted her to have, like, a completely different reason. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> they're married in the first age, and then in the second age, they rule Eregion. They're the, the king and queen of Eregion, and Kalemberbor is actually their, like... Underling. <laughs> yeah. In fact, like, uh, I have... Uh, I, that is uh, the first theory that apparently Galadriel wanted to come back to Valinor after after the fin of the First Age and was like a, like a Celeborn that combines her to stay. 
Yeah, she didn't want to leave Caliborn. So, uh, so yeah, that, th- that probably makes sense if he never went to there because he yeah. if he born in the Middle Earth. Well, maybe just just to specify. So it's is it at the end of the first stage after they defeated Morgoth, the Valar who came to help the elves defeat Morgoth, which is how they finally managed to do it. Uh, but he basically forgave them for their earlier rebellion, and he said, "If you want to come to Valinor." Come now. <laughs> it is the time. Let's go. Which which is why, right, Galadriel's the only one who stayed behind. Yeah. And the, one of the reasons that Tolkien gives is that Celeborn, either he could not or would not go, and she could the, not or would not leave him. Decided to stay with him. <laughs> so it was love, baby. She stayed <laughs> for love, uh, which is incredibly sweet. Then become like King and Queen of Eredion. Now still like serving under Gilgalad because he is the High King. Yeah, but but they had their own and they have, per, per, la, they have their uh, own like a pretty autonomy and their and they have a daughter. Also, just so I because it's kind of annoying me in the show because they keep showing like the caption of Eredion just around this one city. Eredion was a region. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. A city. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. And they have a daughter at this point of the story. Mm-hmm. Like a... Calabrian. Yep. Calabrian that later is going to become Elrond's like yeah, wife. Yeah, in fact he meets her in the, the middle of the second age. Oh god, when exactly does it happen? I think they have, they hold a, a council, kind of like a precursor to the White Council. And Calabrian goes with her parents, and that's the first time that Elrond sees her. And he instantly falls in love with her, but he doesn't say anything, because at this point, actually, in <laughs> Elf Age, she, they, she was too young. You know, still... It's still, only 40, you perv. <laughs> well, she was probably, like, a thousand years old by this point, but that was t- that's a little too young for Elves. So, yeah, they was, like, a living in, in a region with a daughter, um, basically... Uh, by the way, all of this is taken from the Unfinished Tales. During the creation of the rings, that is something that didn't happen yet, Sauron kind of plot in a way that like uh, make Galadriel go in a quest. And uh, by the way, I didn't mention yet that Celeborn hate dwarves. Oh yeah, he really doesn't like dwarves. Because they blame dogs for the death of Thingols, because Thingols is like the great uncle of Celeborn. And, and Galadriel is the opposite. Galadriel, like they say, that light words, especially as a warriors, they kind of just like appreciate their... They considered dwarves to be the perfect warriors to fight against orcs. Like dwarves were the most efficient warriors against orcs. And I just want to remind everybody that dwarves, when they fight, they stand their ground. <laughs> and yeah. they use brute strength. <laughs> they are not dancing. <laughs> well, like a Gimli dance because in the movies it's kind of like I'm rolling all the time. But well, we're not talking about this. He's, he's more like a beach ball at the top yeah. of a crowd. So at that point, Galadriel go to the other side of the Misty Mountains through Moria. And because like a Celeborn like, refused to do that, they separate. And I think... That is the part that the TV show is kind of twisting. Uh, by the way, Galadriel go with the daughter all of the time in that adventure. 
Oh, yeah. Because she's a good mother. <laughs> and eventually they come back, they reunite, and they reunite before the War of the Ring. Before just like a Sauron show all of his cards and like all the things go south. But they took this little gap in the story that don't have especially consequences and just make all of this nonsense from it. No, I mean, they completely made it up. Like, you it, you it don't think they no, don't even get us no, inspired for it's that? it's just complete bullshit. But, I mean, they I don't know why they even had to change her role in the Second Age. And again, they could have pilfered a little bit from the Unfinished Tales, but a really great plot line for them to take is as they were rulers of Eregion, and this is where Sauron, disguised as Anatar, was coming to, you know, seduce the elves, and especially Kalembrabor, and manipulate him into making the rings. Well, Galadriel was the only one who wasn't falling for that mm -hmm. shit. And in one of the, the stories that were kind of half-finished was that Sauron basically turned the lords of Eregion against her and had a rebellion, you know, with Kalembrabor in this rebellion. And also, there was, like, another half-finished story where Kalembrabor was actually in love with Galadriel, but she chose Caliborn over him. And, like... That was some motivation of his to, like, create something to, like, impress her and kind of win her over. Like, why not take this stuff? Like, stuff that Tolkien actually had floating around in his mind. That would be really interesting in a series. But then we cast someone that is not a grandpa for make. <laughs> yeah, obviously you wouldn't be able... You know what a really annoying thing was? So uh, there was this interview with... Um, Wayne Piep, one of the directors, mm -hmm. and uh, the interviewer was, like, surprised that they had cast an older actor to play Kalembrabor, and he said, well, sometimes the easiest way to show wisdom is just age. with age. And then, and then I was like, and then you cast a very young 30-year-old to be Galadriel. Because the, that character who, has zero wisdom. Who Tolkien has described as the wisest and mightiest of elves in Middle-earth. One day. <laughs> so that's how you're deciding to go about it. Like, that's the respect this show has for her <laughs> as a character. That really, that comment really annoyed me. I mean, if they really follow that lead, they make a good cast because the character of like a, a like a Galadriel is we don't don't have any. So yeah, not not till this episode anyway. We're gonna recast it for the yeah. second season when she's wise. <laughs> but I just. There's so much good stuff that they could have used for Galadriel, and I'm really disappointed by what we got. I guess that's all I can say. And I'm really not happy with this whole Caliborn storyline. No. I get that he's not the most exciting character. Like, he's really just there 
to be Galadriel's support, I guess. And what's the problem with that? But what is the problem with that? <laughs> because I just many said, women have served that role in the past. And like many women, you keep Celeborn in a region when she go for adventures. Yeah. You put in the beginning of the of the TV show in a region, and then it's like, oh, I need to go to fight, and she go and Celebrimor as a good consort. Stay at home, taking care of the daughter. Yeah, you know, you could even <laughs> still have her obsession with Sauron in that, you know, she refuses to trust anyone, i.e. Anatar. So she's having, like, maybe she's had too, one too many moments where she's like, I don't trust this person, and so nobody, like, takes her seriously anymore. Uh, you know? <laughs> I don't know, I know it's a cliche, but at least it's a cliche that takes place in canon. <laughs> In addition, I think that that fight of her going against the 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 rest of the elves against you know the dark it is still upon us in the beginning of the show can do it with Celeborn, mm-hmm. putting arguing, having a fight, and have she living. Yeah, why not? Yeah, and then you just keep that character in the back and just you can forget about the him, you know. But he's dead. He's alive. Yeah, in Gregor. <sighs> Anyway, they just, oh, they dropped that palantir, and then they stepped on it, and then they <laughs> smashed it with a rock. In that very scene with Theo, kind of remind me a lot, the scenes from the Fellowship with the Nazgul, when the hobbies there are hiding under their roots. Oh, when they're on the road? and the... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> They had, like, a little bit of that feel. Of the vibe. You know, I honestly didn't think about it till now, but, yeah, I get that. And I was looking for pictures of orcs from the Peter Jackson adaptation, and the orcs from this from this TV show, they're more elfish mm-hmm. than the ones for Peter Jackson's. Yeah. Like, the shape, it is Their more ears. like a... It is the orcs from the Peter Jackson, they are so pointy, but kind of like a twisted, mm. like a in different direction, like a half, like kind of broke, like a, like if you once broken or whatever. Mm. But then it is more stylish, more like a pointing, heading up. Yeah. Pretty much what elves look like. Mm-hmm. And I think because they go hard in the root of the orc was elf once, was premeditated, making a little bit more elf. Elf like it, unless in the ears. Yeah, I think it also it makes their faces look a little bit more recognizable. Like um, you can you can empathize with them a little mm-hmm. bit more easily. That and I, that is how the show tried to like yeah, uh, make emphasis. Yeah, I think the show is really heading in that direction. I think I think they're gonna like try to show like it's a tragedy what's happened to the orcs. And we know that it's just going to get worse for them. Yeah. And I think the show really wants us to, like, or is going to, like, get us to feel that by the end, or try to. That they are pawns, not not the billions for for this story. And I, honestly, I do like that. Yeah. (laughs) If they pull it off, you know, kudos to them. I think it's smart. It's something... I mean, it's certainly something I haven't seen within the Legendarium. For the most part, <laughs> Tolkien's pretty cold to the orcs, so it is nice to get a different perspective on them. Especially, they're not going to make it good, 
But they're making a little more gray. It's just a tragedy. Exactly. That's, you know, they they fell from grace, and maybe there's gonna be a point in the show where they have the chance to like fully redeem themselves, like the inevitable moment when Sauron shows up and kills Adar. And turns to the orcs and he says, you're going to follow me now. You're my bitches now. There's, that's the <laughs> moment where the orcs can either basically decide to fight him and die. Yeah. Or serve him and live. And we know that they're going to choose to serve him and live. And that's the tragedy. Especially because they just, they are serving the men that yeah, killed their fathers. Yeah. It's sad, right, everybody? <laughs> right? Don't you like the orcs more now than before? <laughs> We're going to see orc mommies and orc babies in season two. <laughs> he already said there were sisters, remember? He's like, yeah. my brothers and sisters. <laughs> we come back to Moria. Yes, now they're digging. Illegal digging. Yes, I, I just like to jump a little. And also, with all of those mountain trumbles, like, no wonder the king knew they were digging again. Like, yeah. And Ridiculous. They mentioned the. Did you find something about the secret names from the dwarves? Nope. <laughs> Me either. I mean, I. I've, but Noel, they're secret. <laughs> they are so secret that they nobody know. Not even Tolkien know about them. <laughs> exactly. It does seem like the kind of thing Tolkien would have written. But he went into great detail about like, the elves, for example, have. Three different names very often. Galadriel is a good example of this. You have your mother name, your father name, and then your your actual name. <laughs> well, it's like your your true name. Yeah. Yeah, your father's your father name is like the first name you get from your father, and it's usually it's basically either like the father's name or just like. A, a, a derivation. A of derivation of the father's name, which is just lame. Now, for Galadriel, I think it was Atariel. And then you get your mother name, which is, of course, from your mother. And that, because mothers have more intuition about their children and can kind of, like, see a little bit of their path in life, their name is a little bit more descriptive of their personality. And of course, Gal Galadriel was Nerwin, which was man-maiden. So showing <laughs> that she did have that strong manliness in her. Yeah. Like a tomboy. <laughs> yeah. And then later on in life, some elves, not all, get a third name. And uh, So you're telling me that the elves are basically Spaniards. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is... Tolkien went into all this great detail about elvish names. Um, if he had mentioned anything about secret names for dwarves... I mean, honestly, even if it is 100% non-canon, it works to me. I don't mind it. No, I mean, it is just little thing, don't really but, con uh... contradict anything that we know so far, so I'm good with that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's not canon. No, no. So, yeah, of course, they start to mining. Uh, as I comment in other episodes, they are not putting any kind of reinforcement. Maybe this is why the mountain is falling. <laughs> I mean, 
call me crazy, but you normally make a structure to hold yeah, to hold the, the, the walls. You put up beams of wood, like those aren't just for decoration. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, they have the big reveal and they find them. The big, like, a uh, mithril vein. All the mithril. And actually, like, once they find it, it looks, like, real easy to mine. Because it's, yeah, no, it's right there. It's cut, it's cut, yeah. Yeah. Like, you did the hard part. So. I mean, actually, it is in a cave. You don't need to dig further. Yeah, you're just tapping away. Tapping, yeah, you tap, just, tap, tap, tap. Yeah, you know, like, a scratch for yeah. the walls. Tap, and... tap, 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 tap. Gentle tappings. <laughs> It is what during the fog was like, but you just look, just look, look like you look. You guys can take your time. You live for like two hundred plus years. Exactly. Just like chill and chisel away. <laughs> you know, like what's your hurry? Like, like a gently, gently. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but at this point during the fog was just like I don't want to know anything about this shit for reasons. Yeah, just angry. Yeah. And you know, they have the big argue when during the fall say that uh, like uh, Elrond is my brother from another mother. No, from the same mother. <laughs> it, it is like... It is <laughs> That's from, the thing that annoys yeah. him. It's just, because apparently he have actually brothers like uh, during the fourth. Apparently. As as this uh like a like a she said, like a yeah, they're like not your brothers, but it, I, I wasn't sure if she meant metaphorically. Cause up until this point there's been zero mention of siblings. Oh no. And like we said, we don't have a family tree going no. back this far, so we don't know if he had brothers either. I mean But fine, yeah. whatever. I'm not entirely sure why Duran the Third was like so offended by that comment, unless he like really hates elves. Like, is there some secret trauma he has? Yes, so, some elves? some grouch. Yeah, I don't know. That's the way he's acting. But you know, just going off the books, he certainly did not. I mean, it's, so. it's diametrically opposite of what they would say. But so yeah, it's a little bizarre. Um, I don't know. Maybe later on he's gonna. Reveal some of his trauma. Yeah, we'll see. And they argue and with um, uh, during the fourth disarranged uh, from the throne. Yeah, I guess. Or, or is what like uh, we got? I mean, I, essentially, he's yeah disinherited him. But as Disa says later, like, look, you're still gonna be the king. Like, is you're that... the heir apparent. Like, yeah. don't worry. With, <laughs> who 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 think they're gonna yeah. take you that crown? Yeah. So well, obviously they they need to do a little bit of plotting and uh, well, yeah, of course. Basically, turn the other dwarven lords against Durin the Third because he's just gonna show them the fucking mithril, you know? Like, yeah. Come on. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's gonna be an easy fix for. Durin. I mean, what basically is what they say. They say, yeah. oh, let's let's mine it, and when the lords say it, they're gonna convince Durin the Third. Yeah. Exactly. Well, or more than that, they'll just like depose him and take his crown. But we'll see. And we come back to the Harfus again. Yeah. And surprise! There's food everywhere because, of course, not Gandalf cured the tree. And now, don't you feel guilty, you little Harfoots? Mm, you <laughs> bastards! <laughs> so yeah, suddenly the archer is like a. Uh, in at full, 
and they're like a piling, like a bags of food in the carts. When puppy see a, a, a footprint, human size. Now this really drove me nuts. So Poppy's holding a bucket, and she sees the foot, and she drops the bucket, and then the no sound. <laughs> I just put to make a plash. Well, she puts it down gently, whatever. Mm. But the bucket goes down river, and then the whoever the fuck evil magic ladies, the three witches from Hocus Pocus, mm -hmm. they pick up <laughs> the bucket. And that bucket is the exact same size. It should be I, smaller. I didn't notice that. But, well, I, I noticed it the first time, and so when we washed it the second, I was really looking. Mm. And I was like, all right, the bucket in her hand, and like looking at the size of the bucket to her head, Poppy's head, and then when she dropped it, and then the other girl picked it up, her hands, same size, the head versus the bucket, same size. They didn't scale the bucket down. They used the same fucking prop. I mean, especially that was very easy because the hard food was not in this scene, so you don't need to make weird things. It's just make a second. You make a second bucket. Yeah. <laughs> you make a smaller bucket. And it's like a grab it with two fingers. <laughs> like it should have been noticeably smaller in their mm -hmm. hands. I was so astonished. I remember when, like, uh, in, in the previous scene, when, like, Nori gave it the, the apple oh to the... Oh, my God, yeah. You can tell that they use... And, and actually grabbing that, that gigant apple in his, in his hand, <laughs> and then, like, you know, the big hands grabbing it, and obviously they cut the scene, and then you see the face of Nori. But they, they do it very well. I think... I think they was like a, like a quite like a like, cute, uh, cute, cute scene. The, the bizarre is like, yeah, it was in the exact same episode. We have another moment where you see that scaling done properly and mm -hmm. done very well with her handing the apple of the stranger. And then the same episode, it's the same yeah. people. And in general, in other scenes, I, mean, I noticed when they grab, so when they grab the apples, it's yeah. A massive or the berries apple. are so big, like I know <laughs> they're like a like a chestnut size. <laughs> so I know it's just a little thing, but it really, it really took yeah. me out of the moment. <laughs> anyway, the rest of it, of course, is is great. Uh, 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 the only thing is, I mean, when like a puppy see that footprint, it's like oh, suddenly freak out. But it's like, a, could it be from the stranger from before? Well, I guess the direction. Uh, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, but yes. Uh, okay. The thing. Then uh, Nori and Poppy sneak into the the cultists to you know see what they are doing. But they are like a what? Like a twenty meters away of the camp, and then they start to heading yeah. heading north. That is where like uh, the stranger went. You can see like the trail of flowers, which I liked. Yes, but then the, the other two was sneaking on them. But yeah. then later, when they open the 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 like the the shot, you see that the camp was there. Like, yeah. But what the sneaky was that? You have like a, the camp full of people. And like a, should be pretty noticeable for everyone where it is. No, Harfoot's hide. But but the camp doesn't. No, but the, it's all camouflaged and it's all set up so that you can't see it from the outside. That's the whole point. 
I, I guess Remember, so. like, in, like, the very first episode when they wake up and they, like, pull all the awnings off and, like, the camp slowly emerges from the foliage? Yeah, so I, I guess... Because at night they cover it all up so you could just, like, walk past yeah, it. Yeah, so I guess they, they notice the cultists and yeah. they kind of just make the... That's... All of the... That's their secret power. <laughs> they're, they're really good at hiding. Yeah, okay. That's the whole point of Harkfoot. Sneaky, 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 sneak. <laughs> I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yes, and then like a Largo game with the with the torch. Like, hoo, hoo. Yeah, don't threaten people with fire, Largo. <laughs> <laughs> that was instant karma. So, basically, the cultists, they are Mayards. We don't know. I we mean, don't know what they are. Maybe they're just Tom Bombadil's cousins. But he was a mayor too. Was it him? No. I thought he Nobody was. Nobody knows what he was. That's well, the whole point of Tom Bombadil. But, well, was also a magic creator. Yeah. Was not all mayors. Well, yeah, but Meyer is not a catch-all for everything. A Meyer is a specific thing from a specific place. <laughs> but there's other things in the world. They could just be an invention of the TV show. Oh, of course, no, it's, of course it's an invention. No, but like with no relation to anything. Like they yeah. could just be their own thing. Yeah. And then they just burn all of the camp. Yeah, which seems like maybe an extreme response to a minor inconvenience. But they're but, evil. But they're clearly evil. We need to know how evil they are. Do you know it? <laughs> <laughs> that evil. Unless they have blackened hands to see yeah. how evil they are. So evil. So we come back to the Southlands. Yes. And then we have... Beric, the world's most important horse. Yeah. And, well, they have like the coat, so... Yes. And yeah. We can see that it's him. We've established. <laughs> Because otherwise, how else do you tell what which fucking horse is with? I got <laughs> <laughs> to mark you. <laughs> like a tss. I mean, maybe if it's your horse, you would recognize it, but nah. <laughs> certainly the audience won't. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a scene in the hospital mm-hmm. when we see, well, that part, like, I like it because it was a little. You know, crude, you know, the imagines, we see the people with amputation and so on, as you should expect, but... Yeah, but I question, like, you carried all those people and dead bodies back with you? I am added the, the wounded ones, I'm assuming that they're carrying them. We didn't the see them carrying any wounded people before, and then it's just suddenly there's all these wounded people. Yeah, it's quite a, it was quite a lot. Quite a lot. Like, they would have needed carts or, like, more horses. Obviously, they brought the wounded with them, but we never saw that. So then when we get to the encampment and we see how many there are, it it was a little jarring, because I was like, where the fuck did all these people come from? Now, you see that the imagining of them kind of, like, uh, walking, but as you say, not actually people being carried. And why would ever leave the village without her son? Like, you're telling me she didn't, like, look for him for five minutes before she left? Uh, let's say that if I was there was Theo, separa- I'd be the separated. <laughs> why? Again, I why know. was everyone scattered? I don't understand how they could have gotten that separated. Uh, or why Galadriel would be so irresponsible as to take Theo <laughs> without telling anyone. 
Ah, let's say that they get the disorienta. Whatever. I guess she hit her head. <laughs> yes, exactly. Then go back again to the Harfoots. And they say there. Uh, yeah, we get Largo's speech. Yes. We're Harfoots! It sounded like a threat. <laughs> and then, eh, because there are yeah. quite a few. Are we, are we clapping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then, of course, Nori's off to go get the stranger and... As we obviously know, but... <laughs> He's not going alone because I'm coming with you. Mom, no. Leave me alone. And of course, Sadok as well. Yeah, which, I mean, logically actually does make sense. They're like, yes. hey, we're not sending the kids off alone. Fuck, uh, they need an adult. I mean, they literally don't know the road <laughs> to come back to the... Well, they need it. Yes, they need a pathfinder. Like a to to the final destination. Specifically, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a cute little moment of very similar to um, well, the hobbits all volunteering to go off with the fellowship. Yeah, you know? I mean, it, I, was, yeah, it was a clear I, homage I love, yeah, to that parallelism. It was yeah. nice. It was cute. <laughs> so going back to the Southland mm-hmm. and. One single ship leaves. Yeah, why are they always sending? Uh, they say that they left part of the Numenorians to secure the camp and the refugees. Yeah, and I guess they're just going to get reinforcements. I'm assuming, uh, but was everything very, not not very well explained. Mm. You know, like, yeah, yeah, some of them they are leaving. Fine. And then of course we find oh, out yes. that Hallbrand uh, is. Horribly injured. But he get elven medicine. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> and sure, yeah, he clearly needs elven healing. But can he ride? No. That man cannot ride a horse. In a way. <laughs> it's so ridiculous that they put him on a horse. Like, if you need to take him somewhere, you would need to take him there in a litter. Um, litter uh, after... There's a hole in his abdomen. And then he will be jumping on a horse. It looks like he was on death's door. Like, that wound would be open and bleeding so fast if you put him on a horse. It, no, it's... Like, why couldn't she have just gathered some herbs and then her and a rondier done a little, like, magic-y magic and, I, then, and then assume that happened a couple of nights. I know you guys hate Athelis, but go get some fucking Athelis already. <laughs> we already know that work. <laughs> <laughs> like... Why overcomplicate the matter and put him on a horse, which is so ridiculous in his state? No, it's, it's not. <laughs> like, I just don't understand why they keep doing this to me. <laughs> like, it's so simple, and yet they just need to overcomplicate it and make it impossible. I, I guess they need Harrag in another place for the last episode. I guess, or we need them, like, riding off together alone so they can be more romantic. <laughs> exactly. Gag. I, I know you're bonded, but let's, let's, let's go. I'm going to heal you with skin-to-skin contact. Let's, let's go for a walk. <laughs> mm. Go to a glade and dance for you. Also, just um, going back to the trailers, way back when, in our innocent days, remember there was one shot in the trailer where, like, the way they cut it is Bronwyn gives the speech, and then the crowd raises their hand, and there's the one peasant with the sword, and we're like, how the fuck did that guy get that sword? (laughs) Well, 
It actually makes sense now in the context of the TV series. It is Galadriel's sword that she gives to Theo. Yeah. So, yes, that is how that guy got now. that sword. <laughs> I do like how that made sense. In the video. One of the few things that make sense in this TV show. But... Why a person have an elf maiden with a sword that costs more than all these villas yeah. altogether? Does he know how to use it? No. Oh. In fact, you handed it to him, and the only thing that it achieved was almost getting you killed. <laughs> he never even got to, like, use it productively. <laughs> Just give you a fork like the others. <laughs> <laughs> here's your torch, and here's your pitchfork. Yeah. Now go to battle. <laughs> and you're good, you can have a sickle. <laughs> so then we come back to Mori again. Yep. And we say when Lord of the Rings meet Game of Thrones. Yes, I was excited for this moment. It was a good turn. It was a very good scene. Finally see the darker side of Nissan. To kind of get a glimpse of how I hope the story's gonna unfold with a lot of backstabbing and plotting and usurping of thrones. I'm excited for it. And I like when they say, that throne is gonna be yours. Yours and mine. <laughs> and that mine was in capital. <laughs> yes. Like but, a commandoring, um, kill the boy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited for I, season two. I am. See how that goes. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame about the Mithril, but I'm excited uh, yeah. for the rest. Exactly. <laughs> let's let's keep with the good parts. Yeah. And of course, then we get our final tease, mm -hmm. which is seeing the Balrog and the Balrog's wings. Of course, we could have wings. And I thought this would maybe be a good time to, like, explain why that's so controversial. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially... Tolkien never said that Balrogs had wings, except for the one time that he did. Oh, I think he never addressed that. So, through most, most descriptions of Balrogs do not say they have wings whatsoever. And even, like, there's, like, one sentence that says, you know, they flew from the place... But that verb could also mean to, like, run, like, to yeah, escape exactly. from a place. But in The Lord of the Rings, in The Fellowship of the Rings, when the Balrog first appears, it says that the shadows were surrounding him like wings. It says it as a simile. But then later in the chapter, it does say, and then his wings... Spread out. So now, was he still saying it as a metaphor? Or like... Or a physical wings. Yeah, so that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the controversy comes from. I think that the second example makes it very clear. I mean, I think the real problem is that you then you have to ask yourself, well, two questions. One, do Balrogs look cooler with wings? Yes. yes. <laughs> but does a balrog having wings make sense considering that the balrog and gandalf fall to the bottom of the misty mountains would not the balrog have just stayed flapping its wings while gandalf fell 
So does it not just introduce a huge plot hole? Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that the Peter Jackson movies don't have... If we make these episodes against the Peter Jackson movies, we're going to be bitching for hours. You know, right? <laughs> I mean... I mean, you can say that the canyon there is too narrow, and so he cannot deploy the, the wings and fly. That, that used to be, like, one of my go-to excuses, because you'd always have people challenging you if you said that you like Lord of the Rings. Uh, but the other thing I said was the Balrog doesn't want to fly. It wants to go after Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. Or he's hitting for, with a magic sword for a, for a wizard. So he's distracted. <laughs> anyway. And really, I don't mind that Balrog... Yeah. <laughs> if you want to depict them with wings or no wings, that's your personal choice. But I do like poking fun yeah. at it. So, and, I will... And one of that part yeah, is... <laughs> I will point it out when I can. <laughs> and the very last scene, we see another saying that... Don't say Saulans, say Mordor. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Mordor. With that, like, has Except he never says that. With a super cheesy transition. Like, so what, what should we call it, Father? Father, what should we call it? What should we call it? And then it just cuts to Mordor. <laughs> I mean, it was cheesy, but it, I liked it. Yeah, they make like a, a powerful, a powerful yeah. transition. <laughs> it was good. But yeah, so it still does bring to question, you know, where is Sauron? How is he going to come How back? How he's doing? Is he Gil-Galad? Yes. Is Celeborn <laughs> Sauron? <laughs> <laughs> So many questions. <laughs> oh, and I was vindicated because that explosion in the trailer is in Eregion. So I think it's the forge. Yes, he's definitely exploding. But is it exploding because it's creating rings? Maybe they've been making the rings in secret all along. They might because they took 100 years to make. No, 90 years to make. <laughs> But they need to do it by spring. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, for spring, right? <laughs> oh, by the way, I got a little bit more info on this whole how did the dwarves get the rings. Um, and by a little info, I mean a, a, a scattered, inconclusive paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> After Sauron reveals himself and has the one ring... He goes to Eregion to get the other rings back from Calumbramor. And uh, the three rings, the, the three elven rings are gone. But the nine rings that he gives to the humans are there. And the seven rings are missing. So he tortures Calumbramor to get the information. But this is the part where... It seems like Tolkien couldn't seem to make up his mind. It is not actually said here that Sauron at this time took possession of the Seven Rings, though the implication seems clear that he did so. Uh, in Appendix A of, to the Lord of the Rings, it is said that there was belief among the dwarves of Durin's folk that the Ring of Durin III, King of Khazad-dûm, was given to him by the Elvensmiths themselves and not... By Sauron, but nothing is said in the present text 
about the way in which the seven rings came into the possession of the dwarves. So how did the dwarves get the seven rings? Ah! I mean, I tell you how to have this one. I don't know about the other six. <laughs> so it seems like Tolkien even himself couldn't decide. No, but I, know. I, I think that the implication is pretty strong that Kalembrabor broke, told him where the rings were, and it was Sauron who eventually gave them out. I don't know how the show is gonna address that. Address that at all, if if at all. If, yeah, I don't know if they do it. <laughs> But, yeah, so that's uh, that's all the info I could find on that. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's like what, what, would I, what I thought so far. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're going to change it as they please, so yeah. let's see. All right, so, <laughs> yeah, are you excited or concerned for the, for the final episode? I'm excited. Uh, e- even if it is something weird and unexpected. Do I you think w- we're going to get rings in the final no. episode? I don't think so. It's the show is called The Rings of Power. <laughs> <laughs> it's too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> I don't know. We gotta go out with a bang. You know? I think that's gonna be it. Okay, they're gonna melt down that Mithril and they're gonna make. I know. They're the... having the one yeah. like a word for for a ring. You'll see. Because only one is made of Mithril. Yeah, I'll see. <laughs> I think today I think we should take Infinite Tales. Oh, it's really hard to find quotes in this. Mm. I say because we talk a lot uh, today from, from the lore. Well, so it is. But if one has a distaste to dwell on a ship among mariners, another may be excused dislike of a sheep farm among serving women. But I will not have my daughter so schooled. At least she shall choose by knowledge. Bye! Bye! We were the first, and we will be the last. From Morgan James Fiction comes the exciting new historical fantasy Orope, The White Snake, by Guinevere Lee. The whispers of the gods have seen the vision, the gods destroying the world in a flood because the old ways have been corrupted and forgotten. Three are chosen, Tersh, Kareth, and Shadi, to go out and warn the world. The gods must be appeased. In Orope, The White Snake, Tersh must leave her children and travel to Matawe, the kingdom in the mountains. She also must care for Kareth, and keep him out of trouble. Kareth, told since birth that he is destined for greatness, has been expecting this moment. Certain that he is ready, he quickly discovers that his confidence and curiosity have a tendency to lead him into dangerous situations. Shadi finds himself traveling alone to find the people of the jungle, the Petsahalpa. The jungle seems like a paradise until he discovers the darker rituals practiced within. Samaki is a merchant who returns to Mahat to find his home destroyed, his father dead, and no one to buy his expensive cargo. With his first mate, Tuhark, 
The merchant struggles to move forward after his entire world has been upended. The stories of these four travelers intersect and entwine with each other as they move towards their destinations. Guided by visions, the whispers must use their wits to survive in these strange new lands that would rather use them as political pawns than listen to their warnings. Available in paperback, digital, and audio wherever books are sold. To learn more, visit GuinevereLee.com. G-U-E-N-E-V-E-R-E-L-E-E.com. And thank you for listening. Music provided by Bensound.com. Pecari, the Azura Fish, is the thrilling sequel to Orope, the White Snake. Orope introduced historical fiction fans to a unique fantasy world inspired by Bronze Age history and mythology. Pecari takes them further, going to new kingdoms and introducing new characters. The gods are still angry, but the whispers of the gods are closer than ever to saving the world from a terrible flood. Kareth is still working for the powerful Imota. Kareth hopes Imota will help him deliver his message to the ruler of Mahat. But everything changes when the sorcerer Dedelian takes an interest in him. After the winter snows have melted, Tersh decides to head into the mountain kingdom of Matoe to reach the city of Mesete. Lost in this strange land, she must rely on the help of Tuthalia, a soldier with an unknown past who plans to return home and start a family. Shadi's journey seems doomed by the death of their leader, but the Hunter case set promises to lead them through the jungle. There are sinister things in the jungle, though, and their journey is beset by disease and attacks from wild animals. Samaki sails east, a last attempt to make a good trade that will save his livelihood. The Middle Sea has changed since Samaki last sailed, though, and the waters are rife with the ruthless sea people. Continue this wonderful journey through the fantasy world of Picari, the Azure Fish, the sequel to Orope the White Snake. Ebook, paperback, and audiobook out now. You can buy it on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, Barnes and Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, please go to the website GuinevereLee.com. to check but don't worry I'm gonna come into it later <laughs> well we'll figure it out as I go